clarity of knowing what gait transition they need to do and being relaxed about the transition, that is super important to be able to get a horse that can go on cruise control and stay at the gate that you put them in and not feel the need to speed up or slow down because they know this is what my handler needs from me and I will keep it until my handler asks me something else. Hi, I'm Michaela, and I'm Camry, and this is the, the Horsewoman Project. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good. I have a little bit of a frog in my throat from a cold, but it's a pretty mild one. So, guys, sorry my voice sounds a little uh, raspy today, but... <laughs> I feel like it's not that noticeable. Like I notice it just a tiny bit, but I don't know. Maybe somebody else won't notice it. <laughs> uh, maybe I can just notice it because I feel it. So it feels, you know, that scratchy feeling like it, uh, I don't know. So I notice it a lot, but maybe you guys don't. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. But yeah, I don't feel like you sound that bad. Just, oh, good. just there. <laughs> good. How's your week been? It has been good. It's been busy. It's one of those weeks where I'm like, I cannot believe it's Monday already or again, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's been really good. Got a lot of work done. Got a good ride in on Sandy yesterday. Oh, did I tell you? Okay, guys, everyone's probably going to enjoy this and laugh at me a little bit. So I went on a longer ride with Sandy and my husband was going to go just hike with the dogs um, while I rode. So we trailer off to this place and it's a little bit new and there's quite a bit of snow on the ground still, but I just go ahead and take off. And the plan was, hey, I'm just going to go as far as I can down this road. And then if I can't get my full miles in down this road for some reason, I'll turn around and go the other direction and you can just pick me up on the way home. Um, so apparently there was miscommunication, which I will get into around that um but I'm going down this road and I can see like some canines running in some of the in some of the mountain areas and passes like in front of me and I'm like okay like probably coyotes probably not a big deal we'll probably be fine but I'm definitely a little bit watchy because we do have wolves in our area and wolves out of every other animal are scared scary to me like I'm like I would much rather come up to a mountain lion or a bear I do not want to come up to a wolf like no way no how I am not going to handle a wolf well so I'm a little bit watchy and we get going and pretty soon we come up Sandy and I on these very fresh canine tracks and I'm looking at them and you know coyotes are smaller um at least the coyotes around here they're they're a little bit smaller than my dogs and my dogs are labs um, and I'm looking at these tracks and they're about the size of my dog's feet. And I'm like, oh, okay, what do we have up here? Cause there, no one lives up there either. So it's not going to be somebody's dog. And in the distance, I see this big gray canine just run. And I'm like, I don't know about this. And Sandy, I'm tense. Sandy's getting a little bit more like snorty and watchy. And she starts like balking quite a bit. 
And <laughs> I was laughing because at one point, like, I just kind of kept pushing her forward. I'm like, we're fine. Let's just keep going. I'm sure nothing's going to really bug us. But like, I'm also a little bit like, oh, I don't know. And then at one point she just stops dead and refuses to move forward. And I'm like, all right, fine. We'll turn around. We'll go back. It's not a big deal. And I'm laughing at myself because I feel like this is going to go into our topic today too. But I'm like, any other horse trainer would be like, why did you do that? You let your horse win. And I'm like, yes, I did, because I feel like we're going to get eaten by wolves. But, <laughs> but as we're going back, I'm like, no big deal. I will just tell Eric that, hey, I'm, I'm going to head home. And please be careful, because I think there's wolves or something over here. So really, like, I would be more comfortable if you started heading back as well. So we're going down the road and like a while passes and like, I still haven't passed. I'm like, man, we really covered some ground. I didn't realize that, that we were covering so much ground, Sandy and I. And then all of a sudden we get back to the trailer and he and the dogs are nowhere in sight. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, where are we? So I turn around, I found his tracks, tracked him up and he had gone off like onto another side trail up into this canyon. Oh, I was so pissed off. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was probably good that he was a little ways up the canyon. So it took me a while to catch up to him because I would have just, yeah, it was not pretty. I was very upset. Now, Camry, I, okay, would you be upset? That he went off by himself in wolf country? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I catch up to him. I'm like, what the heck you doing? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you don't just go off trail in a place where we don't have service, where I have no way to contact you. You have no way to contact me. Like, you can't just do that. I'm like, not only is it inconvenient because my plans change and I needed to tell you, but I don't know where you went. Like, what the heck? And he just is like looking at me like I'm being all stupid. And I'm like, no, like, you're not allowed to look at me that way. <laughs> You can't just go off trail. Like, that is, like, safety 101, period. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? And he's just kind of grinning at me. He's like, I'm sorry, babe. I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not get to <laughs> grin at me <laughs> and tell me you're sorry. This is not an okay thing. I'm like, because I have anxiety, my friend. And my anxiety brain has already told me how these pack of wolves are going to surround you and the dogs. And then you're not even on trail? Are you kidding me? <laughs> So question for you, with the wolves, is it typical of them to do that? Like, do they attack humans fairly regularly? Like, I guess I'm wondering if your fear is actually based on like their behavior, because we don't have wolves down here. Um, and I know they attack livestock quite a bit. Um, so a lot of like sheep farmers and things like that really, really dislike wolves. But is there like, is it pretty common for them to get humans around there? I wouldn't say it's common for them to get humans, but they do come in and like, they will steal your dog out of your backyard. And like, so it is common for them to come down and be a little bit more aggressive, especially the strain of wolves that we have here because the wolves were endangered for a little while. And then, you know, they decided they needed to bring the wolves back, but they ended up bringing back a strain of wolves that aren't native to our area. So the wolves that they brought back are like twice as big as, as the wolves that are common in our area so now we've got a wolf problem um so it's I wouldn't say it's like based out of like necessarily all of that ballot of fear but at the same time for me with a wolf it's like very rarely are you going to come up to one wolf it's normally going to be like hey where's your buddies you know like 
where's the other five of you who are stalking me right now? Where like a bear, oftentimes it's going to be by itself. A mountain lion, oftentimes it's going to be by itself. And most of the time they're not going to want to take you down. Like unless you do something or it's really, really hungry or something where a wolf, I'm like, I don't know. Like I could see you trying to like do something and even coyotes. Um, like my mentor, the mentor who's, uh, been helping me with, with my endurance stuff. She's been chased by a pack of coyotes before, like when she's doing some of her condition rides and things. So just that canine pack mentality, I think makes me kind of nervous. So is it valid? I don't know, but it's valid enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and especially with the dogs with him, you know, if they see, something that they feel like is small enough and they're hungry, you know, they very easily, like you said, could surround them. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we had this little bit of a bicker. I'm like, you can't just do that. I don't think my husband took me seriously at all, but I'm like, no, really? He's like, well, he's you like can I see can take my out tracks. a pack of wolves. <laughs> well, and I think for him, he's just more like, you're being overreactive. And I'm like, I'm not. And his excuse was, well, you can see my tracks in the snow. I'm like, yeah, but I shouldn't have had to track you. That's the thing. And I'm like, and how do I know you're okay? And how do you know I'm okay if you go off trail? (laughs) And so part of the, I guess, the communication we had is he had thought that we had communicated that I was going to go down that road and turn around and go for home, period. And I had thought that our communication was, no, I will go down this road unless I can't. And then I will come back and let you know and go, go for home. Um, so obviously we had some miscommunication there, but guys, you have to let me know. Is it one-on-one to you? Like to me, it's black and white. Like you don't go off trail where you've been planning on going down this one trail. That's where I know you're going. We have zero service. You don't just like, Oh, I'll just go up this random trail and like explore. You just don't do that. But also, you know, maybe it's just my anxiety brain. Who knows? (laughs) Probably a little bit of both. (laughs) It's probably like, yeah, you you probably shouldn't do that. But yes, Michaela, you're taking it a little far. Because I (laughs) I could probably be doing that. But man, I was mad. I was not happy camper. (laughs) Yeah. And just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it couldn't have happened. I think that's probably why he's like, "Ah, I'm fine. And you're like, but you might not have been. Yeah, and that's where the anxiety brain comes in because I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah. I understand, but also, <laughs> and, and then it doesn't help that my horse has similar anxieties to me. <laughs> so we're both like, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's my adventure for the week. About the only exciting thing that happened, I think. <laughs> oh, wait, well, no. Eric and I did go get pedicures. Eric oh. decided that. He wanted to do, he wants to do more adventures as a couple. And so he was like, okay, I think like, let's go get pedicures done. He's never gotten pedicures before. Whenever I've been like, oh, we should go get some. He's like, that's dumb. Like, why would I do that? Like, that's a, that's a girl thing, Michaela. So it was, it was really surprising that he was like, well, yeah, let's go do that. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, well, it would be an adventure for me. I'm like, Okay. So we went and got pedicures this weekend and manicures. I got a manicure and he got a pedicure. But yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch him like push himself out of his comfort zone a little bit and do something a little different. That's cool. Funny thing is I never got a pedicure until I was like 20. No, I think I was 31 when I got my first pedicure. And, um, but the, 
gal that was working on me was uh, realized that I needed to keep some of my calluses on my feet. And she's like, I could tell that you needed to like <laughs> not have me completely take those away. And I was like, thank you, because that would have not been fun to like put my boots back on and be like, she took all of my protection away. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. I'm like, oh, you're very good at what you do. <laughs> Thanks for noticing without me having to I say know. anything. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that was great. Because I, I wouldn't that. have known to, you know, like, it was my first time, so I didn't really know what to expect either, so. Yeah, I think my first time of getting a professional one, because I always, you know, have done them myself, Um, but my first professional one, I think, was when we got engaged. Like, I think me and a, my mom and a group of girls went out and got pedicures. I think that was my first one. They're just very relaxing. <laughs> yeah. I told my husband though, I was like, honey, if it's like Mother's Day or something and you're going to get me a gift and you want it to be something like that, hundred times over, I would prefer a massage over a pedicure. I'm like, I will paint my own toenails. Give me a massage. <laughs> oh, I agree. It's about the same price too. <laughs> I know. I'm like, so if I'm like, going to yeah, pay money for it, <laughs> rub my back down, please. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So, that's cool though. Some men wouldn't even go get a pedicure just because of the like, it's a girl thing, you know? So that's cool that he tried that. Yeah, it's fun. And he's such a big guy that <laughs> every time we go do stuff like that, or like we've done massages, the the people are always like, his legs are so big. They're bigger than my body. And I'm like, I know, he's a big guy. <laughs> And they really are like his feet have got to be like the size of this gal's legs that was doing his pedicure. He's a big guy. It's funny. It's always funny to watch people's reactions because he's just normal to me. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess he was kind of taller and stuff. <laughs> Good deal. Well, I will give you guys an update on my horses since I kind of told you about uh, Freya and Lola going to the vet last week. Um, Luckily, we found out that Lola's infection hadn't gotten into the tendon like we were concerned about. So the vet gave her a shot of a big, hefty, slow-release antibiotic called Exceed, which, by the way, you guys, if you don't know about Exceed, I highly suggest you ask your vet about it next time you need systemic antibiotics for your horse. Because I don't know about you, Michaela, but when I do four to five days of penicillin, injections for horses they do not like it understandably so it's a very thick needle it really makes their muscles sore and it's just not fun to have to give them a shot that many days in a row and exceed is one shot and done so it's just this slow release thing and it also covers a lot more um, so it actually even if her infection had gotten into the tendon um, it's the antibiotic would penetrate that deep. So it's a very, very potent antibiotic. So anyway, um, just a quick note for you guys. If you don't want to have to stick your horse multiple times, um, that is a really, really good option. Or if you don't have, like I know some people will use um, SMZs, which are pills that you can grind up and put in your horse's grain. <laughs> but you have to put like 16 of them in there, like a, a ridiculous amount. A lot of horses won't eat that. So if you don't like either of those options of injecting penicillin for days or trying to figure out how to get your horse to eat SMZs, go get your vet to give you one shot of Exceed and it should kill just about anything in there. So 
Um, but yeah, Lola's doing better. She's still a little bit lame. Um, my husband's been exercising her, getting her to walk out and really stretch and, and move her muscles and, and get things back where they need to be. She's not a hundred percent yet, but she is getting there. Um, and Freya's knee luckily was not in the bone either. So she just had a, a lot of soft tissue damage there. I'm not sure if maybe she had put her foot through a fence. I have no idea how she did it. Um, but she is starting to feel better. Um, she's not a hundred percent yet either, but both my horses are on the mend. So that makes me Yay. happy. <laughs> makes me happy too. That was stressful. I know. I'm like, I, I was wrong? stressed. <laughs> not Why? even my horses, but I was like, oh I know. Yeah. yeah. No, that's helpful. Um, I think well, I'm sure that's probably why I'm sick too, is the stress of like worrying about oh. them and like everything. I'm like, and then I caught a cold. hundred <laughs> percent. Our bodies react to these things. <laughs> yep. For sure. I'm Camry Johnson, owner and founder of J Family Equine in Monroe, Utah. I am a horse trainer, clinician, and coach who helps horses and humans work together with trust, confidence, and synergy. I have a passion for helping horse owners find confidence in themselves and their equine partners. In my programs, I teach you to work with your horse in a way that builds your relationship with your horse while still expecting consistency and performance. I do this through full-time horse training with weekly lessons provided for the owner, through in-person lessons with you and your horse, through virtual lessons, and through clinics or distance lessons. If you want me to come to your location for lessons or a clinic, all you need to do is gather up a few participants, provide a facility, and call or email me to discuss pricing and availability. For more info on how to contact me and what programs I offer, please visit utahhorsetraining.com. Let's get you and your horse working together with trust, confidence, and synergy. Well, today we wanted to go through some training tips. Um, so I'm going to let Camry kind of lead this one and I will jump in um, when you want me to. And if I, if I have some things to add, but I'm going to kind of let you handle most of this, I think. Awesome. Yeah. It's been a minute since we've done an episode kind of focused a little more on training. So um, there have been a few posts I've made on my Facebook page recently that have gone over different training things. And it has been anything from destination addiction to loping transitions or upward transitions, um, spooking, different things like that. Um, and a lot of them actually have very similar advice that I would give people. Um, similar kind of overreaching advice and then we'll go into some of the details here in this episode where I have a little bit of a longer format to do so. So the first thing I want to go over is a post that I made about upward transitions. Um, the reason for this is I have been working on it with multiple clients and friends lately and lope-offs have been a pretty big issue. Um, so one client it was a horse who was very lazy he also was very grumpy. <laughs> um, and anytime he was asked to do just about anything, even not just his loping transitions, but if he was asked to back up, he would pin his ears and get 
angry and grumpy about it. If he was asked to move his feet left or right, he would pin his ears and get grumpy and just try and nip at you. Um, and then when you asked him to lope, he would kick out and, you know, push on the lead line and just go nuts and, you know, bucking farts everywhere. And um, so that was one case. Another case that I'm working on, which is quite the opposite, is a very goey horse. Um, and in his lope on the ground, which is interesting because with this particular horse, his lope under saddle, gorgeous, just flawless. He picks up the correct lead every time. It's relaxed. It's lifted. But in the round pen, he thought that loping meant go nuts and like run and be chased. Um, so we had a little bit of work to do with him in his ground manners with loping in particular. Um, and we knew it wasn't per se a fear of loping or a discomfort with loping, but more of just a mental expectation. He had maybe potentially been chased a little bit more in the round pen in the past. Um, so with these different types of situations, there's actually going to be a lot of similar techniques that are going to help both horses, even though one is you're lazy, I don't want to go, and then one is the too much go. Both of them are just being reactive, particularly at the lope, but reactive in general. Um, so <laughs> the first thing that I tell people when they ask me about loping is, well, how's your walk? Because um, most of the time your problem isn't just in the lope. It's in other responses. It's in your upward and downward transitions. It's in how do they send? How responsively do they send? How how are they on their halter? So when you send them out, if you're lunging them on a line, are they leaning on that halter the whole time? Where's their brain? Are they focused on you? So there's a lot of bite-sized pieces that are going to go into making the lope and your upward transitions better. Um, so a lot of it has to do with creating a really solid, really consistent form of communication with your horse, starting at ground zero. So starting from a standstill, when you ask your horse to move, where is everything? Are they responsive? If they're not, the way to create responsiveness is actually kind of the opposite of what most people think. So a lot of people would say, I'm going to point and send, and if they don't go, I'm going to, you know, really get after them immediately. Now, what that does is it doesn't give your horse a lot of time to think, and then you're immediately getting them into reaction by, you know, really coming after them really quickly. So the kind of the, the way of kind of switching that is slow it down. Slowing it down is actually going to help your horse learn to speed up quieter. Um, so what I mean by that is you're going to use three second phases. So when you send your horse at a walk, you're going to bring your energy up for three seconds. Then you're going to point for three seconds. And then you're going to step one step, only one step towards your horse's shoulder for three seconds. Then you're going to start swinging your whip in a rainbow arc for three seconds. And then that is your follow through. So that's when you're going to get big enough with that whip to create some energy and get them moving forward. Um, and a lot of people would kind of think that, you know, slowing it down really, is that going to make my horse more responsive? I have done it with dozens of horses and I guarantee you it does. <laughs> and the reason why 
is because it establishes this language of communication with your horse where they have so many opportunities to see what you're doing instead of you just saying, do this, you didn't listen, boom. And then they're like, whoa, 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 what happened? Like, and so they know how to respond to that last cue, right? That big energy, but they had no idea what you were doing beforehand. So it gives them that chance to see it, those three second phases gives them a chance to see each phase that you do. And then pretty soon, the first time you do it, your horse might not move forward until you get to that last phase and you're whipping with a ton of energy onto the ground. Okay. And then they might start listening when you step and then they might start listening when you point and then they might start listening when you lift your energy. So they'll just bring it one phase sooner because they'll start to recognize each phase. And this also creates a lot less attitude in your horse because they're not like, well, that was unfair. I had no idea what you were asking <laughs> because they do. They get frustrated when we just are like, you don't know it yet. Um, so that would be a big thing. And that's just, again, it's going to create a lot of clarity of communication where your horse really is starting to pick up on how soft you want them to be and what good deals you're offering them instead of just immediately jumping to the harsh follow through. Um, you do need the harsh follow through sometimes. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't have that follow through. Absolutely have it. Just give them opportunities beforehand to problem solve and to get their brain working and their brain thinking. So that's a little bit more with like that lazy horse, right? To go along with what you're saying and to maybe make some clarifications for people as well, because you and I throw around the word energy a lot and we throw around the word build your energy or lower your energy a lot. And I feel like that's actually not a common thing for people to talk about or for people to even know what that means. So would you like to just maybe explain like what does bringing your energy up even mean? What does it look like? How would you how would you tell somebody to bring their energy up who you're not in the same room with? Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because yeah, we do talk about it a lot. Um, and there are definitely people that are like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like physically move my body. I'm like, no, 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 it's all internal. So we had talked about this a few episodes ago, um, which is if you have ever done any kind of running, especially a sprinter. Um, so I'll use a sprinter analogy. So if you are about to start the hundred meter race, you are in these little blocks and you have like spike shoes on and you've got this rubber track, um, you are going to be in those blocks, but you're not going to be in those blocks as if you were watching TV. So just imagine yourself right now sitting on your couch, watching TV or reading a book. That energy is a very low energy. You know, it's very quiet. It's very calm. Now the energy of being in these sprinting starting blocks of I have to push the hardest in these next hundred meters than I've ever pushed in my life and I have to find the fastest speed I have ever found in my life you're not going to be sitting back in those blocks as if you were reading a book or watching tv you're gonna have like just this bubbling energy under the surface where you are set to go so that's like kind of your two extremes of like the most energy you could ever have in your body versus just this quiet, relaxed, you know, taking a bath, taking a bubble bath, reading a book, watching TV, that's your low energy. And you can just play with that. And if sprinting doesn't resonate with you, 
think of something that does think of galloping full speed on your horse think of you know whatever it is that brings your energy up whatever sport you like to do that gets your energy high Uh, just imagine that and notice the changes in your body and if you have a heart rate monitor you can even check your heart rate and you'll notice that your heart rate changes just by thinking about it and that's what we're talking about with energy yeah, no, but I think that's a really helpful explanation. And for those who are like not sports oriented at all, or maybe you're just getting into the horse world and you've never galloped on your horse, even just thinking of a time where you were really, really excited, like nervous, excited about something, that's a really high energy. Um, and I would even take it a little bit of a step further and think about like, what are your muscles doing in those moments as well? How are your muscles are they contracting? Are they getting kind of tense? What What's happening when you're sitting on the couch? Like for me, I'm relaxed. You know, I'm not about to get up and do much. But even if I'm going for a walk, my muscles are going to do something very different. And that's kind of when I'm explaining energy to somebody as well, because I'm always trying to bring body awareness into my clients too, but is, okay, what are your muscles? What do they need to be prepped for? So for me, if I am lunging a horse, I'm asking the horse to walk. Well, my body better be able to walk, like be at a point where I could easily walk, right? If I'm asking the horse to trot, then the energy and the muscle contractions and the way that my body should be prepped should be getting ready to jog. If I'm asking the horse to lope, then my body and my muscles and the energy that I bring to that, I should be able to run, right? Like if I, if I took a step forward, it would be a running step. It wouldn't be a walking step. That's kind of how, how I like to think about it as well is what we're asking our horses to be in our bodies. We should be prepared to do ourselves. And if you're not, then you know, you have that disconnect and your horse isn't going to respond as well to your aids either. Cause like Camry said, they're going to feel like, well, what the heck? Like, you're just standing there relaxed. Like, why can't I stand there relaxed? But if you can give them that first signal of, hey, I'm about ready to move, they're going to be, okay, yeah, sure, let's move, let's go. And that's going to be really helpful. And when you can get your horse soft enough where they pay attention to just those energy cues, oh my gosh, it's magical. It's way fun. Oh, it is. Like, magic is the perfect word for that. It's just like, oh, it's like that perfect state of flow. <laughs> um, So one way that I like to describe it too, which, um, you know, this is all along the same lines, but visualizing in detail. And that's what's going to help you with your body awareness that Michaela was just talking about. And so instead of just thinking jumping jacks, you know, you can think about jumping jacks, but are you thinking about what are your feet doing? What are your legs doing? What are your arms doing? And imagine in detail, visualize it in detail as though you are playing a movie in your mind and then sending that movie as if you were selling, sending it to a television set, send that movie to your horse's brain, be like this, this is what I want. <laughs> so lots of fun ways to think about it. Just find what resonates with you. I think everyone's brain works a little bit differently. And if it resonates more with you for the sports analogy, great. If it resonates more with you with, you know, imagining it in detail, like a movie and sending it to your horse. Great. Just find what works. And if you get your horse to do jumping jacks, I want a video. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Well, I didn't mean jumping jacks, but I just thought it was a good example. (laughs) I should have said jogging. Imagine yourself jogging. Um, I like the jumping jacks. I think it would be way cool. (laughs) I know. It's like Spanish walk, but sideways. I don't know. (laughs) 
Oh man, the funny things we could do with our animals. Are you a dedicated horsewoman looking to boost your strength and confidence while involving your horse in your fitness journey? Welcome to Mac Athletes, where we specialize in empowering horsewomen through fitness and nutrition while integrating your horse into the process. Our tailored coaching program is designed exclusively for passionate horsewomen like you. We focus on building strength, resilience, and confidence, both in and out of the saddle. We understand the unique connection between rider and horse, and we've crafted a program that leverages this bond to enhance your overall fitness and well-being. At Mac Athletes, we don't just offer workouts and meal plans. We offer an experience, a transformative journey where you and your horse work together towards your fitness goals. Our expert guidance, personalized workouts, and nutrition plans are all aimed at helping you become a stronger, more confident rider while prioritizing a healthy lifestyle. Join us and take the reins in your fitness journey. Embrace workouts that involve your horse, nutrition plans tailored towards your needs, and expert guidance focused on elevating your performance as a rider. Visit MacAthletes.com or follow me on Instagram at Michaela underscore Lyman to discover how we can help you build strength, confidence, and a deeper connection with your horse through our specialized coaching program. Let's ride towards a healthier, more empowered you together. Um, so let's see, we were talking about the loping transitions with our lazy horse. So now we're going to be talking about doing more of an upward or loping transition, which I guess I should specify for English people, loping is cantering, um, just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> it's the Western word for cantering. It's kind uh, of like a slower canter. Canter's a little bit faster than a lope, but yeah. Same yeah. same beats, same yeah. movement mechanics. Yeah. Um. So with your, you know, kind of bolty, racy, really goey horses that just want to go into their lope and, you know, buck and fart and do all those silly things, um, kick out any of those kinds of responses, really what you want to do is clarify with your horse what you want, which is you want a relaxed transition and you want a specific gait, not just speed because sometimes the horse is just like, you want me to go fast? <laughs> I go fast. Okay. <laughs> and we need to clarify and say, no, nah, uh, nope, not just speed. So how you do that is a lot of, again, this slow work, right? You're going to send them up and walk, then bring them back to a stop, then to a walk, then to a stop, then to a walk, then to a trot, then to a walk, then to a stop. Um, and a lot of a lot, a lot of repetition with that so that the horse knows how to get to responsive and get that nice forward responsive trot and then and then come back down and come back into that walk. The walk is actually one of your most important gates, especially for your racy horses, to make sure that they are not in racy go, go, go mood um, because if they are, they will be incapable of walking without prancing. Um, so they'll just want to keep trotting. So always check up on where their brain is by seeing, can you walk? Um, and lots of up and down transitions over and over again. So essentially what you're doing, and I'll mention this again with something else, is relaxation sandwiches. So you're going to start relaxed. You're going to get responsive, which can sometimes bring out some goofiness. And then you're going to get relaxed again. And then you're going to go back up into responsive and then back to relaxed. So it's going to just sandwich that sensitivity with continually bringing your horse back to relaxation so that they know that's what you're expecting. You always release when they relax 
so that they know that that's what you expect. And they actually want relaxation too. So if you want it and they feel good being relaxed, then they're going to be pretty well inclined to want to find that comfort of being relaxed. Um, and relaxed doesn't always mean asleep. You can be relaxed and responsive. Um, and that's kind of the secret sauce is finding that middle ground. But to find that middle ground between relaxed and sensitive or responsive is to continually jump back and forth and back and forth until it's easier to find the middle. Um, so again, it's going to be three second phases. You know, you're going to ask them up into their walk and see how sensitive you can get them. Then you're going to ask them back to a stop. Uh, lots and lots of slow work, really establishing that communication and that clarity of what do I want? Does the horse know what I want? Or do I think the horse knows what I want? And then I'm just jumping to that big boom, you know, follow through with them being like, I had no idea what you wanted. Then frustration leads to kicking out, to attitude, to pinning ears, you know, to all those different things. So lots and lots of clarity, slow it down, lots of good communication, and you can solve just about anything with those. So yeah, I love that. I think it's easy, especially if you have a higher reactive horse, to also get a little bit nervous every time they react and to try to avoid the reaction a lot, which can actually create more issues than it solves. Sometimes like letting them have moments where they do kind of explode and they buck and what, you know, off of if they're on the lunch line, <laughs> hopefully not when you're on them, but I know for me, I've had some higher reactive horses where it's like, oh my gosh, but they're bucking and they're doing this on the lunch line. And it's like, okay, well, actually they're just getting out a lot of squirrels, right? And they need to allow themselves to do that for them to be in a more relaxed state to be able to come down. And um, it's not something I would let them get away with, but I was just thinking about like specifically my my um, horse Gabe that I had my, my vaulting horse. I remember going to Camry's with him one time to let, to let you try out vaulting Camry. And he's in the round pen bucking. And I'm like, I promise like he'll be fine. You know, Cause it can be really intimidating to watch a horse, especially as big as he was really move and really let out and do those things. But being able to allow him to get all of those out allowed him to also be in a really relaxed and working state when it was time to work. Um, so just because they're, they're letting out their kicks and their giggles and they're farting all over the place, like, I, that's a good thing for them to be able to do as well. Um, but I would love to hear, Camry, your your method for helping a reactive horse slow down. So like going from the walk to the trot and then coming back to the walk because <laughs> I've got my own methods, but but I mean, there are plenty of times like with Sandy because she's more in that category of the reactive category where it's like, and walk, and walk. And five minutes later, and please walk, you know, like, because she can just go from like relax at the walk to we're trotting and then you're going to ask me to lope. And now I've got to like ruin my brain for a second that sometimes it can take a, a minute to get her to be like, and walk again. Okay. And when she figures it out, it goes there. But maybe you can give some good tips for getting a horse like that to down transition. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing I do want to mention with what you were saying before, if it's okay for them to get out their kicks and their giggles. Um, one thing that I like to do is make sure that my horses have turnout because that's a much more appropriate place for them to do that. Um, because when it becomes important for when a horse is kicking out and doing silly things, to me, it's extremely important that they don't make a pattern of that in my groundwork or my saddle work. Um, 
So it's not like, well, the first time I lunge my horse, every single time they're going to start bucking and kicking on the first time I ask for a lope. Mm -mm -mm. Because that becomes a pattern that then becomes every time I lope, I need to kick out. And then they think that just because you're allowing it, you're also expecting it. And so then they start delivering and being like, oh, this is what we expect every time. So you have to watch your patterns. Um, if it's like once in a blue moon and, you know, the weather's wonky and your horse is being a little bit silly, um, not as big a deal. But if it starts becoming they do it two times in a row or they do it three sessions in a row, um, you need to interrupt that. And actually, I had someone comment on this loping post and they asked that, like, because I had said correct with the, le the lunge line. And she said, what exactly do you mean by that? So with a horse that has already established a pattern of bucking into the lope, bolting into the lope, anything like that, that is an established pattern, you need to interrupt that. Um, because you can teach them the right thing all day long, but if they already have this pattern, they're just going to continue to do it. And then you're going to get frustrated that they can't find it. They can't find it. Why can't they find this lope? And it's because you're allowing them to continue that old pattern. So that's when I take my lunch line and I give them a pretty sharp jerk. Like it's a, it's a hard no is the way I like to describe it is it's like, no, absolutely not. We are breaking this pattern. That is not the correct response. And then, and this is the important part that's actually going to go into my advice for Sandy um, or a horse that has a hard time with downward transitions is you have to allow them to come back to relaxation before you send again. Because <laughs> the first time that like, a lot of times, the first time I ask a client to do this exercise with their horse of correct that um, really ugly lope transition. When we get to that point, we do work on our walk and our trot and everything first. But when we get to that lope transition, um, we have to give that big correction, but then a lot of times they correct the horse and then they immediately send them back off again at a trot. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to make sure that you correct them and you say, I need some relaxation from you. And if that has to happen at the standstill, then it happens at the standstill. Hopefully, if you've done your work correctly, your horse can find a great amount of relaxation at your walk so that you can interrupt it, allow them maybe three to five seconds to kind of like, okay, mom just corrected me and then send them softly out a walk. And now like Michaela's saying, that's really hard for Sandy to do. Um, so with those horses that, you know, you go to send them and they immediately want to trot off, which I actually have a horse like that right now that just came in training and he's like, you want me to trot? I'm like, no, we need to walk. Um, it takes a lot of nuance. So like with me, if I, if I go to send a horse at the walk and they go up into their trot or a lope, you know, they go faster than I want, I'm going to bring them back down. And if they can't come to a walk, I'm going to bring them to a stop. So I'm going to get two eyes, bring them in, and then hopefully get a lick and a chew, some kind of, you know, their head lowering, a breath, a yawn, anything like that. And then I'm going to send them again. Now, if they can't walk, I'm going to bring them back in. So that's essentially me correcting anything that's not the right response of walking. So if you trot or if you lope, I'm going to bring you back in and say, uh-uh, not that. And then I'm going to ask them to walk again. But it takes a lot of those boring, slow stuff of sending at a walk, bringing back at a walk, sending at a walk, bringing back. And if they break that walk and they go up into that next gate, I'm going to just kind of guide their head in and bring their focus back to me. A lot of times, not always, it's the horse gets 
escalated because it's either a pattern and they think they're supposed to and they just have a lot of energy and they haven't gotten their energy out yet um or it's their focus is just gone they think you sent my feet my brain is going out and so they're looking out of the round pen out of the arena out away from their handler and they're really not listening to you very well they're just kind of jumping out and moving um so it's just a lot of bring their brain back to you you know and it's not just bringing them to the stop that's important it's bringing their brain back to you their handler um so that's one thing i'm really big on is release not just on what their feet are doing but what their brain's doing because if i release on that stop but I release and their ears are like completely back behind me and not even looking at me at all. I, they're not really where I want them to be mentally. Um, I want them to be with me. So if that means I need to back up a few steps and really draw their attention or like, you know, make a weird noise or do something interesting, like who knows what, wave a flag. A lot of times I do this work with a flag and they learn to focus on it. Um, but you can do all sorts of things to bring their attention. And then immediately once you get, that focus then you can release on that so it it takes a lot of walk to stop walk to stop walk to stop transitions until they're really good at that um the other thing you can do too is give them turnout right before you work them like get them something that's gonna get their energy up and get all those things out because um, especially like with this horse that i'm working with that is um he's barrel bred so he's got a lot of speed breeding he has just so much energy and go 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 um he has a much harder time focusing when his energy is up. Like it's like a kid that hasn't had recess. You know, he's like, I need to go. I need to move. I need to play. <laughs> um, and you can do that by playing with your horse. Like do things where you're asking for the trot, where you're, and as long as your horse is doing it respectfully and not, you know, blowing a cork and being an idiot, um, you can use energy and playing to bond with your horse and get their energy out in a, productive constructive way instead of always being like you have to walk with your arabian that sat in a stall all week and has like all this energy <laughs> um so make sure that their needs are met um their movement needs their activity their play needs they have needs to play so if they're in a stall and they don't get to play with their friends make sure those needs are met um so that i guess would be my advice and it's it's just so much nuance if they break into that trot i'm going to bring them back down and and then if I send them again. And it's a lot of times it's like this much. Like it's like six inches of my hand coming back in to bring them back down a little bit. My hand going out. And then correcting them if they get a little bit too much. Because a lot of times those horses that really don't want to slow down are also your very sensitive ones. They're not your dull ones. They're not the ones that like you have to get like this. They're the ones that like your energy changes like this much. And they're like, okay, <laughs> you have energy. I'm going to go. Um, so yeah, it's just playing with those little nuances of how much do I have to give to get this horse to walk? How little does it take to get them to trot? And really just refining all the all the details and taking it, like I said, those bite-sized pieces, little tiny things at a time. Yeah, I love that. I have does it help? Oh yeah. I okay. think so. <laughs> and then I've got a kind of another question to go along with that. Um I am horse trainer Camry Johnson, and I've been using products from Redmond Equine for over 10 years. I want to share with you two of their products that I love. Redmond Rocks are the best salt and mineral rocks on the market. There are no pollutants, fillers, or harsh chemicals in their products. 
And I can't forget to mention their daily gold syringes. These are great to help settle your horse's stomach in high stress situations like competing, hauling, or even colic scares. Visit RedmondEquine.com today and use code CamryJ20, that's C-A-M-R-I-J20, for a 20% discount on any of their products. Do you want to give your horse everything they need for their health without buying several different products and spending an hour mixing supplements? Look no further than Grand Premium Plus from Grand Meadows. This is an all-in-one supplement that includes vitamins, minerals, joint support, hoof support, coat and skin support, digestive support, and a huge array of amino acids. I have used this product with my personal horses for years now and have loved it so much that it's now a staple in my training program as well. Every horse in my care receives Grand Premium Plus. Visit GrandMeadows.com today and use code CJOHN1, that's C-J-O-H-N-1, for a 10% discount. Are you waiting for them to be in that relaxed state before you ask them to down like down transition? So like in the trot, are you kind of trotting for a certain amount of time and then saying, okay, now it's time to walk? Or are you letting them trot until it takes, like for the time that it takes for them to relax at the trot? That's a really good question. Um, so when I'm first teaching forward transitions, whether it be stop to walk, walk to trot, trot to lope. Um, I'm going to release as soon as they give me the transition I'm asking for. So as soon as they trot, I'm going to say, yes, good job. That's what I wanted. And that's because I want to clarify to them, I want that change in gait. That's what I'm asking for. And so the first thing I'm going to clarify is what specifically I'm asking for in their footfall. Now, sometimes like I just got this new horse about a week and a half ago when I first started asking him to trot it was so scary to him he really wanted to just freeze so when I was building a little bit of energy he was like I don't want to move and as I just kept the energy there until he decided to do something else about it then he like jerked forward into the trot but then I immediately was like yes I wanted you to trot and then he looked back at me as I brought him back to a stop and was like that was it that that, that was all you wanted and, and then I was able to start progressing it to, okay, now let's get a slightly quieter transition. So you repeat and just reward initially, reward on only the forward transition. They don't have to keep it. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be relaxed quite yet. It just needs to come back to relaxation by the end, which that's why I bring them in. I have them look at me and I say, hey, relax. And then we're going to do it again. Um, but you don't want to stay there because if you stay there for too long, your horse is going to be like, all I have to do is two strides at a trot and then I just turn in and then I stop and then we're done. <laughs> Especially if you have the lazy ones. Um, with the goey ones, it's a little different, but they can still get in those patterns where they're like, that's the only thing that's ever expected of me on the lunge line. So then we have to up the ante a little bit and say, okay, now I need you to do five strides at the trot. So it's going to be, I, and at this point, their trot transition is going to feel good to them. So it's going to be a little bit more relaxed. They're going to really be understanding. As soon as you raise your energy and ask them to trot, they're going to say, okay. And that's when you know you're ready to go to the next step. So when you go to that next step and you ask them for a few more strides, then they might be like, well, wait a minute. You didn't, you didn't want me to do this before. Um, and then sometimes horses are really like almost chomping at the bit to do more. It kind of depends on the horse you're working with. Um, but you just slowly ask for just a little bit more. So then I'm going to ask for, 10 strides and I'm going to ask for a full lap around the round pin and then we're going to ask for two laps around the round pin 
Um, and it's, it's just, you have to clarify, especially, especially with your lazy horses, your low energy horses that really don't want to move a lot. Most people will skip past that first stage that I just talked about of really clarifying. I want the trot. I want the lope. If your horse does not understand that, you have no business asking them to keep the trot or keep the lope because usually what will happen there if you haven't clarified I want the trot is you'll get your horse to trot but then they'll you'll have to keep keep your energy there the whole time and and be pedaling them essentially and and having to wave your flag or whip your whip around to keep them at the trot because they're like oh I have to have energy from my handler to keep the trot so you really have to make sure they know I want the trot and then build it up slowly from there of how long they have to maintain the trot um, and start slower with your your more woe than go horses with your more go horses you'll notice you'll go through that stage very very quickly where they're like okay I'll do 10 laps <laughs> um, and it's no big deal to get them to maintain but that clarity of knowing what gate transition they need to do and being relaxed about the transition that is super important to be able to get a horse that can go on cruise control and stay at the gate that you put them in and not feel the need to speed up or slow down because they know this is what my handler needs from me and I will keep it until my handler asks me something else. So just start slow. Again, bite-sized pieces, you guys. Little pieces. <laughs> the little pieces are hard. <laughs> I know, and they're boring and nobody wants to do them, but it's the answer to everything. <laughs> no, it's very true. And <laughs> I had um, a little situation with myself, but then also talking with some clients because helping them with some of their horsemanship things and it is hard those bite-sized pieces because it's just like oh my gosh how long am I going to have to do this and how long do I have to let her say no and listen to that and is it ever going to get me anywhere and I wish I had a grow pro on or something because it always comes back to this with me and Sandy but trailery is always a high anxiety state it's just something that's hard for her um so yesterday loading her up to go on our trail ride it it's fun to watch her brain processes because like she is so expressive and so it's like yeah I'm gonna pull on the lead rope and I'm gonna hold it there and I'm not going to increase that energy because the second I start to pull like she shuts down like her brain just shuts off and you can see that in her eyes and in her mouth set and in her ears and even just waiting like yesterday I just sat there and I'm like I'm just not going to increase pressure I'm not going to release pressure until she like gives me a couple of blinks twitches her ears a little bit and then I'm going to release and so I played with that yesterday and it was it was fun to watch her brain be like oh okay I'm not going to get forced into coming in and the reason I say it's frustrating is Sandy and I have been doing this for how long now? Like four years. <laughs> and it's like, you would think that surely we would be past this, that she could be in a state where she's just going to just walk right into the trailer. And sometimes she does. And sometimes she doesn't. And it just is what it is. But without fail, if I go into it with a, I'm forcing you to get in here, you stupid little, you know, like get, get in this trailer then I'm weeks behind, you know, but if I just take a couple of seconds and to just do that, like wait for her to think about it, give her her routine where she can smell things, she can think about it. And I do come to a point where it's like, no, okay, now you just need to get in. 
but if I can keep it from being to the intensity of where she feels forced to get in, then that's all I have to do. And I'm only out there for, you know, 30 seconds instead of 10 minutes trying to get her in this trailer. And I think it can be really easy to get mad at the 30 seconds and to get frustrated with the 30 seconds. But those 30 seconds are saving you hours in the long run. So if you can just spend another 30 seconds to just let your horse do their routine, let them process, let them think, it's going to save you hours in the long run. And like I said, I mean, I have to come back to it. There are times Sandy will self-load and then we'll turn around and the next day she's like, nah, I can't do it. It's too scary. I need you to hold my hand. And it's just like, but you were self-loading yesterday. What the heck? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just a lot of back and forth with horses. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, like you said, that 30 seconds, that's just your horse telling you, I can do this. I need a second. Give me a minute. I will get myself in the right place because you've given Sandy all the tools to be able to find the right mental space to be able to load well. But some days she's just going to say, mom, I need a minute. <laughs> Give me a minute and I will compose myself, you know? Um, and sometimes she might need a little bit of help from you. And sometimes she might just, all she might need is for you to wait, you know? And, and that's great. I love that you're so in tune with that. That's awesome. Well, you know, some days are better than others. <laughs> Right. I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so to finish up this episode, um, I do want to share a specific story of a client I'm working with right now and her successes with the methods we're talking about today with this. So she's the one that I mentioned at the beginning whose horse was, he was the grumpy, lazy one that really didn't want to move. He was grumpy about being asked to do anything. Um, and she also had some fears behind loping um she had just been thrown off of a horse through his lope transition right like a week or two before coming to lessons with me um and she was just having a lot of fears about loping and and um so we were working through it with him as well as with her so it was kind of a team thing but we started with just establishing that communication teaching him how to do things like the crab walk um, which is a specific lateral exercise where it keeps his focus towards his handler. We did a lot of sending at the walk and bringing back, and then we took it up into the trot. And um, we did all of these things that I had mentioned today. Um, and at first, his lobe transitions were horrendous. And she's like, yeah, see, that's why I have anxiety about doing it is because he looks like this, right? Um, and so we we kept working through it, did lots and lots of transitions, and, and then she got to the point where his lope transitions were just like, he did it every single time and no big deal. And so then we started asking him to carry it longer. And it was so fun because as we were teaching him in this lesson, um, we were realizing that if we would have asked him to do multiple lope transitions a month previous, he would have balked, he would have thrown a fit, he would have been kicking out, he would have been like, how dare you? ask me to do this but we would just correct him every time he would break down out of that lope and just say ah, I need you to carry it a little longer and he just his mind stayed with us the whole time he was very quiet zero attitude and he carried the lope beautifully and then we got him to where he was carrying like a full three laps of loping zero problem this lazy horse that didn't even want to take a lope let alone carry a lope was now loping three circles 
And then at the same time, we worked on her mindset. So you know how I talked about doing the visualization of the specific visualization, right? Of what's it going to feel like? What's it going to smell like? What's the, you know, the sound of the horse in the lope? So I had her practice visualization throughout the couple of weeks before I was planning on having her do it on him. Um, and just to, you know, I'm like, keep tabs. Like when you imagine this, do you feel your anxiety raise, right? Do you, what, what happens to you and can you control it and help yourself relax about it and visualize it going well or visualize yourself handling if he does struggle a little bit um, and, and how you would handle that. And so she was able to work through a lot of the mental things on her own aside from what we were working on with him and the day that we decided to have her lope on him um I got on him first and just to show her I'm like I want you to see that he can do this like this is going to help your anxiety knowing that he can see a rider up here and and respond with leg cues not just the lunging cues um, and that he can do what he's been doing all along and just lope quietly. So sure enough, I got on and we checked everything. We checked our walk and our trot and our and our um, lateral movements, made sure he was giving really nicely. And then I loped him off. He loped beautifully like he'd been doing it that way his whole life. So then I hop off and get her on. And I have this video of her loping on him. And I'm just like, it was the best moment ever where she was just like, she felt a tiny bit of anxiety, but then she's like, as soon as he started loping, it was like, oh, and then she, both her and him released and relaxed into that lope. And it was just the most magical, amazing moment. So you guys, it works like it takes, and it took probably almost a month and a half, probably two months um, of weekly lessons to get him to that point. But you guys, that two months is so worth it. Just take the time take those baby steps, do it, and you will feel so much better about how you communicate with your horse. And and then you'll know how to deal with anything that comes up. So for instance, the following week, after he had loped, um, we had gone through all the other checks, checking his groundwork, checking everything. And for some odd reason, he was feeling a little irritated in his hip mobility that day. You know, who knows, maybe he was stiff, maybe he was misunderstanding something. So we were able to use that as a great teaching moment that just because he loped last session doesn't mean he has to lope this session. And now, because of all the baby steps we've done, now we know, okay, here's how to get him responsive, soft, having less attitude, having more clarity of communication so that he could work through that. And so it's that's what's nice about doing those baby steps is you always have something to come back to when you feel your horse struggling like you can always always come back to those things whereas if you're just like we're gonna work on lead changes today or we're gonna work on loping today and you're not gonna check on your walk and your trot and your lateral maneuvers your hip mobility your shoulder mobility all these other things you're just gonna jump right into the lope then when it goes wrong you're like well I don't know what's wrong <laughs> you know and so it, this way you know what's wrong you're like oh it's in the hip Oh, it's in the shoulder. Oh, it's, you know, it's such and such a thing that my horse is struggling with today. It's forward movement in general. Um, and, and then you're able to work on it, solve it, feel good about it. Your horse feels good about it. You feel good about it. It's a win-win for everybody. Yes. Small <laughs> movements and everything. We are so stuck in our society to want things now, want things tomorrow. Why isn't it fixed both in ourselves and in our horses? And it's really important to... Take a step back, 
reevaluate what pieces are you missing move forward I love it and congrats yeah. to your client I know I'm so proud of her <laughs> <laughs> well I think that will wrap it up for today um, and then we will jump in in future episodes into some of those other things like destination addiction um, spooking and some of those other fun training topics so stay tuned yeah. And guys, be sure if you love this podcast, please share it with a friend or family member who would also love this. We would like to help as many horsewomen as possible. And part of that means sharing. If you love it, share it with other people, please. So talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.